I'm Gerald Harmon. I'm president of the American Medical Association. Today, we're going to delve into the topic of COVID-19 therapeutics and recommended usage. It's an important step in our ability to better counsel our patients. That's AMA president, Dr. Gerald Harmon. In this three-part series, Dr. Harmon is joined by experts from the FDA to discuss what prescribers need to know about COVID-19 therapeutic drugs. This episode is part of an AMA webinar series addressing the latest developments on COVID-19, including vaccinations, recent guidelines, and what physicians need to know. Thank you to the organizers for giving me the opportunity to be here with you. I'm going to be discussing the Molnupiravir EUA and what physicians need to know. The majority of the content that I will be going over can be found in the fact sheet for the Molnupiravir EUA, and I will be pointing out different ways for patients and for healthcare providers to access those fact sheets throughout my talk. So how does Molnupiravir work? Molnupiravir is a nucleoside analog that inhibits SARS-CoV-2 replication by viral mutagenesis. Molnupiravir under EUA is authorized for the treatment of mild to moderate COVID-19 in adults with positive results of direct SARS-CoV-2 viral testing who are at high risk for progression to severe COVID-19, including hospitalization or death, and for whom alternative COVID-19 treatment options authorized by FDA are not accessible or clinically appropriate. There are numerous limitations of the authorized use, specifically Molnupiravir is not authorized for use in patients who are less than 18 years of age. Molnupiravir is not authorized for the initiation of treatment in patients requiring hospitalization due to COVID-19. And this is because the benefit of treatment with Molnupiravir has not been observed in subjects when treatment was initiated after hospitalization for COVID-19. However, should a patient require hospitalization after starting treatment with Molnupiravir, the patient may complete the full five-day treatment course per the healthcare provider's discretion. Molnupiravir is also not authorized for use for longer than five consecutive days or for pre- or post-exposure prophylaxis for the prevention of COVID-19. The authorized Molnupiravir dosage is 800 milligrams taken orally every 12 hours for five days with or without food, Molnupiravir comes in 200 milligram capsules, so patients need to take four capsules twice daily. It should be started as soon as possible after a diagnosis of COVID-19 has been made and within five days of symptom onset. Completion of the full five-day treatment course and continued isolation in accordance with public health recommendations are both important to maximize viral clearance and to minimize transmission of SARS-CoV-2. The container label for Molnupiravir when dispensed under EUA, and wanted to point out that the label does contain this QR code that patients and pharmacists can use to uh, link to the website where, again, they can access both the patient fact sheets as well as the healthcare provider fact sheets. The data in support of the Molnupiravir EUA come from trial P002, or the MOVE OUT study. And this was a phase two, three randomized controlled double-blind trial in non-hospitalized adults with COVID-19. And in this phase three portion, a, a planned total of 1,550 participants were randomized one-to-one -to, -one to receive either molnupiravir, 800 milligrams Q12 or placebo Q12 for five days. And there was a planned interim analysis conducted when approximately 50% of the population reached day 29. The primary endpoint for this trial is the percentage of participants who were hospitalized or died through day 29 due to any cause. 
could have a listing of some of the key eligibility criteria for trial P002. Outpatient adults with mild or moderate COVID-19 were eligible if they had laboratory confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection with sample collection as well as onset of symptoms within five days of randomization. All participants in the phase three portion of this trial were at increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19. And the specific risk factors as defined in the protocol are listed here. SARS-CoV-2 vaccines were prohibited anytime prior to randomization and through day 29, and pregnant individuals were excluded and contraception use was required. The efficacy results for trial P002, as I mentioned, the primary endpoint was all-cause hospitalization or death through day 29. 6.8% of molnupiravir participants compared to 9.7% of placebo participants met this endpoint for an adjusted risk difference of 3%. And this equates to an adjusted relative risk reduction of 30%. And then if we look just at the mortality component of that endpoint, you can see that there were nine deaths among placebo participants compared to one death amongst molnupiravir participants. Again, these are the results of the full phase three randomized population. The results of the interim analysis show an adjusted risk difference of 6.8%. We have various uh, subgroup efficacy analyses. Um, and a couple of things I wanted to point out are that in certain subgroups, namely those with diabetes, as well as those with a positive anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibody at baseline, there was no apparent treatment benefit with molnupiravir. However, for most other subgroups, the findings tended to favor molnupiravir. Though it is worth noting that many of these subgroups were quite small and all of these results are considered exploratory. In terms of safety, molnupiravir was generally very well tolerated in trial P002. Here we display the adverse reactions that occurred in at least 1% of participants receiving molnupiravir. The only events that reached this threshold were diarrhea, nausea, and dizziness. And as you can see, the rate of each of these was the same in the molnupiravir group as the placebo group. Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. So what do physicians really need to know as they're prescribing or thinking about prescribing molnupiravir? Molnupiravir is not authorized for use in patients less than 18 years of age. And this is because animal findings showed that molnupiravir may affect bone and cartilage growth, which is something that could be particularly relevant to pediatric patients. Molnupiravir may be used regardless of COVID-19 vaccination status. Molnupiravir, uh, breastfeeding is not recommended during treatment with molnupiravir or for four days after the final dose. No drug interactions have been identified based on the limited available data. And no dosage adjustment is recommended in patients with any degree of renal or hepatic impairment. There are some unique considerations regarding the potential use of molnupiravir during pregnancy. Uh, first and foremost, molnupiravir is not recommended for use during pregnancy. And this is because based on animal data, molnupiravir may cause fetal harm when administered to pregnant individuals. However, if a healthcare provider determines that the benefits of molnupiravir outweigh the risks for an individual pregnant patient, 
they must first counsel the pregnant patient regarding the known and potential benefits and potential risks of monopiravir use during pregnancy. They must also document that the patient has been made aware of these potential benefits and potential risks. And then lastly, make the individual aware of the existence of a pregnancy surveillance program. So if the patient agrees to participate in the pregnancy surveillance program and allows the prescribing healthcare provider to disclose their patient-specific information to Merck, then the prescriber must provide the patient's name and contact information to Merck. Now, there are numerous prescriber requirements beyond those that I just reviewed for use in pregnancy. Uh, and to make sure that prescribers are aware of these numerous requirements, they are all included in a box near the top of the fact sheet for healthcare providers. Uh, prescribers must provide an electronic or hard copy of the patient fact sheet and document that the patient has received a copy of the fact sheet. They must review the information contained within the patient fact sheet with the patient and counsel the patient on the known and potential benefits and risks of monopiravir. Prescribers must also report all medication errors and serious adverse events that are potentially related to monopiravir within seven calendar days from the healthcare provider's awareness of the event. The prescriber must also assess whether an individual of childbearing potential is pregnant or not. This does not necessarily mean that all patients of childbearing potential must undergo pregnancy testing. So pregnancy status does not need to be confirmed in patients who have undergone permanent sterilization, are currently using an intrauterine system or contraceptive implant, or in whom pregnancy is not possible. However, in all other patients, if the patient is having regular menstrual cycles, using a reliable method of contraception correctly and consistently, or if they've had a negative pregnancy test, then you can assess whether the patient is pregnant or not based on the first day of their last menstrual period. If the individual has irregular menstrual cycles, is unsure of the first day of their last menstrual period, or is not using effective contraception, then a pregnancy test is recommended. Further, uh, prescribers must advise individuals of childbearing potential to use contraception for the duration of treatment and for four days after the last dose of monopiravir. Regarding sexually active individuals with partners of childbearing potential, they should be advised to use contraception during treatment and for at least three months after the last dose of monopiravir. Prescribers must make individuals of childbearing potential aware of the pregnancy surveillance program, and we find that this is particularly important in the event that a patient would become pregnant or learn that they are pregnant while they're completing monopiravir or shortly after completing monopiravir so that they're aware of this program and could potentially participate in the surveillance program to allow us to collect this important information. And then I went over previously the unique prescriber requirements pertaining to use during pregnancy. Some common questions regarding the use of monopiravir. How can you obtain monopiravir for an eligible patient? Do you again need a prescription uh, from a physician, an advanced practice registered nurse, or a physician assistant who's authorized to prescribe drugs such as anti-infectives? And in terms of logistically identifying where patients can access monopiravir, I'll refer you to the COVID-19 Therapeutics Locator website. The next question I have is, is monopiravir active against the Omicron variant? There are no clinical data regarding the use of monopiravir in patients infected with Omicron. However, preliminary reports of in vitro data show that monopiravir retains its activity against the Omicron variant. Further, activity against Omicron and other variants is expected based on the mechanism of action of monopiravir and the fact that the drug target is conserved across different uh, SARS-CoV-2 variants. And last, is monopiravir mutagenic to patients? This has been a highly discussed topic. 
And based on the totality of the available data, combined with the, the short five-day treatment course, the risk of mutagenicity to patients is considered to be low. However, if this is something that you're interested in learning more about, I recommend that you uh, look up the review documents for the Molnupiravir EUA, which will provide a wealth of information on the data available that supported this determination. And with that, I will conclude. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank you for your time, your commitment to identifying the best ways that we can respond to the COVID pandemic. Until next time, be safe. You can subscribe to the COVID-19 update and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.